It's May 13th, 2021. This is Rook. is the Iranian-American who turned a childhood love of drawing into the heights of global movie making. Merdad Isfandi is still in his 30s but has such a talent for creation that he's already done stints at Google and DreamWorks and has now become the production designer for Disney Animation. From Moana to Raya and the Last Dragon to Ralph Breaks the Internet, the characters you've fallen in love with have often been conceived and created by Merdad, and he's had no shortage of personal challenges to get where he's gone. From Ahvaz to Disney, Merdad Esfandi coming up, plus a new edition of It's All Persian to Us with Keon. This is stories from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 110 of Rook. Sadoda. Kian John. Hope you're keeping well. Wherever you are tuning in from around the world, I help Kian with our numbers in Farsi. Salam, Dustan Aziz. Coming up in just a little bit, uh, Shia. Mer- no, Shia, you're coming up yes. as well. But <laughs> coming up in just a little bit, uh-huh. comma, Merdad Isvandi. So the kid from Ahvaz, shout out to Ahvaz. My, uh, I have some family from, uh, and still in Ahvaz. Uh, he has made a more of an impact on your life than you might know. Shia. Uh, yeah, I might know. <laughs> <laughs> you do know because you know who he is, but if you did if you don't recognize his name out there, stick around. <laughs> He's just like, how do I work with these people? Keon, I don't know what to tell you, tell yeah. He's a visual artist and, and designer uh, who's ascended to become a production designer at Disney. It, I mean, he is partly responsible for these characters that are known around the world, uh, like images that you see in Disney animation movies of late in the last few years. Uh, and he's a young guy himself, killing it. Mer Dodd joins us from Los Angeles in just a few minutes. Looking forward to that, Keon. Is, is it right that he's responsible for Moana? Yes. The That's so cool. He's literally living the childhood dream. Whose childhood dream? Well, everybody's childhood, childhood dream. dream. Is that think, everyone's well, childhood I, I dream? I don't know. I grew up watching Disney, so that to me to is so... To draw those characters? I'm, I'm yeah. very... That's and so to cool. preside over it. He's the production designer now. It's pretty much... I mean, we'll talk about this in the mm-hmm. interview, but I think like after director, mm-hmm. production designer is pretty much the, yeah. the, the exactly. most major role you can have. When it comes to animation, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> we are on an ongoing mission to build a, a new audio visual. It's the same joke every show. Uh, to build a new <laughs> a new audiovisual encyclopedia, Keon, of Iranian diaspora yes, identity. Yes. Coming to you on Spotify and SoundCloud, Instagram, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Telegram. If you'd like to see some visuals with your Rook, if 
you're a fan of Disney animation, you like visuals. I do. Well, then switch over to YouTube right now where you can watch the visual version of our show. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in both English and Persian, you can subscribe on Telegram. Hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Jean. Hello, Groovy Shia. Hi, Formerly, sir. let me say hello. And, and hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Good. Excellent. Feeling great. I'm yeah. also feeling good. That's great. Today's the episode of Sadudah. Yes. And you know what Sadudah is in Iran? 110? Yeah, but uh, it's 911. When you want to call 911, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, the, that's the number? Yes. Yeah, but only for police, right? Yeah. Uh, so if yeah. you want like ambulance, if you call Sadoda, they'd be like, nah, call a different number. Oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just Sadoda Hasan Vizan. Is that what they say? Yeah. Can I use that during the show when I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> want to bail out of an episode with the <laughs> guys? Guys, this is a real Sadoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get out. Let's get out. <laughs> this it's all Persian to us is not working. Sadoda, Sadoda. How dare you? <laughs> uh, I I'm to- I told you I'm feeling good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why? I am feeling well. Oh, right. You got well. your I'm vaccine. Waiting. I mean, no you one, got your va- no okay. one's asking you me. This Astra. is what I'm surrounded by. I meant to ask Nobody you about cares. this because yeah. you got the AstraZeneca shot, did That's you right. not? And suddenly the next day, Dis- they a disaster. They a disaster. That they were apart. stopping it. Yeah. First of all, yeah. And I was joking about how I got the shit one, right? <laughs> and then, uh, and then the, the, yeah, half of Canadian provinces bailed on the vaccine that I got. Well, they quite the day after I got it, they were like, they shut it down. We're banning this because it's dangerous. Now, I joke. It it is still. I'm still happy with the decision, and I think uh, if you you know if you're out there and you got the AstraZeneca, keep you know I think it's important that we get the vaccine. And but it was kind of funny. The the other thing is that I, you know, I was like determined to not let the side effects get to me. So I came to work the next day. I mean, you know, we're busy. I got stuff to do. So I come to the studio. I mean, Shia saw me and. And I'm slowly starting to all, like it was hitting me hard, you know? And then like the problem for me wasn't the side of, yeah, I went through a couple of days of headaches and, you know, chills and all of these things. It was the alarmist people around me, (laughs) most of whom are Iranians. That was the problem because first of all, there's a guy who works down the hall down here. Uh, he must be in some important, you know, business because he's working during the lockdown and all that. But uh, and a nice guy. But you know, I saw him in the hallway, and and uh, you, you know, we're in with our masks on. And he goes, "Oh, you know, did you get the vaccine?" I say, "Oh, I just got the vaccine." He's like, "Great." And he and, and I said, "Did you get the vaccine?" He said, "Yes, I yes I got Pfizer." Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got Pfizer. And then I go, and he says, uh, which one you got? You know, and I said, well, I got the AstraZeneca. And, he, and he, literally the guy goes, oh. <laughs> oh. You're so oh, you know? class citizen. And then, you know, then I, it makes me question my own decision, right? And then later, like that night, I'm talking to a friend of mine. They say, how are you feeling? And, uh, and I go, well, I'm feeling a little, I got a headache and I've got some chills and Nakuna blood clot bullshit, right? <laughs> it must be the blood clots. Like I'm like, and so then I start thinking about the blood oh, clots, no. right? And uh, at first it's like I'm it's sort of funny, and then I, and then I'm freaking out all night. Maybe I have the blood clots. Here's the thing, I have more of a chance. I already have asthma. I have you know, <laughs> I have more of a forget drowning in your bathtub, you know, which there's a better chance of than the blood clots. I have all kinds of things that could happen to me, right? I could, you know, uh, die of an asthma attack or something like that. 
the blood cloth thing, even now that in the Canadian provinces they ban it, they say it's one in 55,000, right? <laughs> I was obsessing about the blood clots. <laughs> I couldn't stop because not going to blood clot blush you. And then I'm convincing the person, no, 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 I think I'm fine. You should do what my cousin does. He keeps telling people he's got the Pfizer and he hasn't. He's got the AstraZeneca, but he's like, no, nah, it, it, it doesn't look good. You know? You wanna, it I know. Have I know. It, this is the, it's such an Iranian thing, right? It's like driving the BMW. It's like, uh, I got Pfizer. What did you get? I got Astra. Oh. Like the guy completely, he's judged my whole life and, you know, somehow I couldn't hook myself up no. with the Pfizer. Poor you guy. know, our prime minister got an uh, you know, AstraZeneca. Then the mayor of Toronto got AstraZeneca. <laughs> Nonetheless, the Iranians are freaking me out about the blood clots now, you know? But do you feel okay, Gian? I'm like taking my distance now. I keep like. checking, you know. And I don't want to minimize, I mean, God forbid, they, I, I know there's some people who've, who have had yeah. these blood clot issues mm -hmm. and I, I feel terrible about that. But these, there's risks with everything. Yeah. Right. And by the way, the risks of blood clots are a lot greater if you get COVID-19, right? So better... Why are you look at me like no, that? No, no, I'm You're calculating. You're looking at me like she sees another she's one. She's still judging she, <laughs> She's the guy in the hallway. <laughs> I, I got Pfizer. When you told me. Which one you got? Listen, when you told me you were getting AstraZeneca, I like in my head, I was like, Khoda, please keep him safe. Like, I was praying for you. <laughs> I didn't want to tell Listen, you to freak you out. You can but. take the kid out of the UK, oh, but you can't man. take the UK. I'm with my British peeps. We all got the Astra. <laughs> yeah. We'll live and die by it. All right? Your hair is going to fall. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you for asking how I am, which you didn't ask, but uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, this is a, it's so, it, yeah, <laughs> you know. I was almost going to send you. And actually, it was like, and then I was on the morning walk with Oogie, and it was like a white friend of mine was like, oh, you know, there's reasons why the Astra is actually better than the, you know, there was no status with the, you know, with the, the but the, the Iranians are, <laughs> what did you get? <laughs> I got Pfizer. Pfizer. What got, about you? What about you? Oh. I got Moderna. Okay, not too bad. <laughs> but that AstraZeneca shit. Don't get that one. Uh, but I'm glad to see you're doing okay. Uh, so far. You never know. can creep up on you. This uh, based on. It's the whole thing is kind of, it is freaky, right? Yeah, Who yeah. knows what we're putting in yeah. our bodies. We, we have to defer to the scientists, the doctors. They know what yeah. they're, you know. So we go in and I think everybody should get the vaccine. And, yeah. I, and I encourage people to get the Astra still, right? But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like literally the next morning. I, you know, it was so funny because I came back from, I saw the guy in the hallway and, you know, I got Pfizer, what do you get? And I asked her, oh, you know. And then I come back into my office and I turn on my computer and it's the headline from the Globe and Mail, AstraZeneca banned by Ontario. <laughs> you know? Bail, if you have an AstraZeneca, be, be worried, AstraZeneca, whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, Hey, if you like what you're hearing on this program, you want to be a patron of our show, we would love you to be. If you're a regular listener, 
Uh, we crowdfund what we do. So you go to our website, rookmedia.com. You press support us for $5, $10 a month. You can be a patron. And we, we always check who joins us. Uh, our list of patrons is uh, is growing, and we really appreciate that. It's the way we can uh, stay alive. So if you appreciate what we're doing in terms of building this encyclopedia, rookmedia.com. And by the way, whatever platform you're listening to us on, you can become a subscriber. Because uh, right. a lot of people... Uh, listen to us and, and don't necessarily subscribe. Yeah. It does help mm-hmm. us if you yeah. subscribe because then we can keep in touch. You and know, that's with the free. new episodes, and that is free. That's yeah. right. That's right. You know, um, speaking of the way Iranians are, are you in these WhatsApp groups? Oh, too many. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think when did that happen? I guess because during I, the quarantine, we started yeah. getting into WhatsApp groups, right? Yeah, I'm not a texter, and I started people started creating all these groups. Right. Just too much. Like you know, it was a way for a lot of people to stay in touch in these WhatsApp groups. But I'm just I'm not into it. Well, the problem is here's the problem with the and you guys are in WhatsApp groups, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Lots of WhatsApp groups. Uh You know, your friends, people create these WhatsApp groups. And with me, I mean, you know those people that you sort of know, but you don't really know them that Mm -hmm. well, but they have your phone number? Yeah. And then they add you to a group. Yeah. Right? Oh, no. So now that happened to me you know, over the last year, I guess, but partly a bunch of people added me to these WhatsApp groups. And the problem with the WhatsApp group is how do you get out? Yeah, apparently yeah. it's rude. I heard it yeah. like I learned it the wrong, the hard way because my one of my cousins like added me to a WhatsApp group that they had, and then I left, and then they were like exactly. Another one exactly. messaged me was like left study. Exactly. What is it? Exactly. Left study. I put like, them on silence. For that. No, well, even if you put it on silence, so that's exactly what happened to me. There's all these Iranian. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm part of these WhatsApp groups that <laughs> are like political. You know. Oh. It's a constant stream of, and 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 a couple of them are not even related to anything that they started about. Now it's just like nonsense, you know, propaganda, whatever. And so I've been agonizing, like, how do I get myself out of some of these? Right? I'm gonna, and so uh, this is it's so funny because last night I, I built up the courage. I was like, in the middle of worrying about blood clots, you know, I, <laughs> I was like, okay, I gotta, because the, the, it, it just kept coming, and then it was like ads for things and you know i mean people are just throwing stuff in there and so i i pressed you know exit group Mm -hmm. you know and i exhaled and it was like (laughs) you know and you know and then nothing happened you know so it was and then like five minutes later oh no like not even 10 minutes later five minutes later guy texts me Mm. did you leave the group (laughs) people take it personally and then i have to say and then i was like what no what <laughs> oh my phone you know? <laughs> oh, it's too because the thing is is that you know the group is like in the messages of the group is like somebody just died in Serbia or something so it seems like you're leaving the group and you don't care about the person who died oh, right God. so <laughs> then I had to be oh no I, my phone acts weird so I, you have to join again <laughs> Yeah, of course I rejoined. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the groups. And now you gotta engage to show that oh, you actually man. care. Dude, just oh put them God. on mute and let it fade out in a year or two <laughs> or I ten. T- I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I've I've got a bunch of them on mute, but they still come up in your feed, right? Yeah. It's like a constant feed of like, this is a bomb went off. This happened. That happened. Oh, if man. I'm in these groups, and sometimes I just don't, you know, I don't want it on my. Fo- I don't want to push it onto my phone. Mm. But if I leave, it seems like I'm. It's an editorial decision. Mm. Oh, <laughs> like I disagree. I, I I disagree with you disagreeing with that bombing. So I'm going to yeah, exit yeah. the group. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, it's crazy. Um, what a disaster. Listen, you have bigger things to worry about. You got AstraZeneca. <laughs> 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 like, what was it? One. Which one you got? I got Pfizer. Which one you have? <laughs> How do you call the police in Iran? <laughs> in Iran, Sadada. Sadada. I need a Sadada. <laughs> I need a Sadada situation with this whole thing. Yeah. Hey, uh, what, what do we have for? It's it's a new edition. What's happened? It's all Persian to us. It, you you took off a couple of weeks or something. I, I mean, took one week oh, off. I miss <laughs> it. I want to know. I needed to. Did we did we run out of things we discovered? <laughs> of course not. All Listen, right. like it's it's it is what the title says. It's all Persian to us. So it mm. could be anything from history, from inventions, from mm. people in history. Mm. But today's episode is on a the most popular board game in the world. Oh, yeah, wow. Monopoly. Yeah. Uh, no. Chess. Yeah, but I don't think it's called a board game. It is a board game. Chess is a board Chess game? Chess is a board. It's on a board. <laughs> well, play. yeah, but board game seems board so game. superficial. I know, but yeah. a strate- game of strategy? I don't know, but it is a board game. Mm. You know. But yes, it's the most popular game or board so, game, whatever I'm, you want to call it. I love that. I love that we invented yeah. that. I'm well, so we, proud of that. So, so I'm going to get into it. Uh, the first predecessor came from India, but it was actually uh, Persia uh-oh. that developed we go it again. into yeah. what it We're is today. Head to head with it. Yeah. Who all drew me? Who all drew me? That's it. Uh, well, I'll look forward to that, uh, Keelan. It's all Persian to us. We got that coming up. Um, and uh, the fabulous Keon will be leading that discussion about Shatranj. Right. Uh, the, the Captain Reza will be there, <laughs> as will the Groovy Shia. But let's get to our impressive feature guest. My feature guest today, despite being relatively young, is an accomplished Iranian illustrator and art director who works at Walt Disney Animation Studios in California. Mer Dod Isfandi was born in Ahvaz in 1985. Since childhood, he's had a strong interest in visual arts and drawing. He entered university in Tehran to major in graphics, but before too long, he felt his potential could flourish as a designer, so he decided to pursue work in the animation industry where he began to develop a signature style of his own. Merthod was itching to leave Iran for more fertile and lucrative places as an animator and after many attempts he finally moved to San Francisco in 2013 where he studied visual development and has been working on various projects since. He was hired by EA Games, VR and AR plus working at Google before landing this dream job in feature animation at Disney and DreamWorks in LA. He has been instrumental in creating movies such as Moana, Over the Moon, Raya and the Last Dragon, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Encanto, which is currently filming. He has, in short, climbed to the top of the animation world, which is not bad for a kid from Ahvaz who had to overcome some personal battles and impediments to get there. Mertot is currently working as a production designer on a 2022 Disney feature film, but first, right now, Merdad Isfandi joins me from Los Angeles today. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you doing? Thanks for the introduction. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad you thought it was awesome. It's your it's your life story so far, and it, it's an impressive one. You know, Merton, from the outside, uh, it would seem like for an animator to get a major gig at Disney and DreamWorks would be uh, the pinnacle of achievement. Does it feel that way for you? Yeah, definitely. From now, it's a COVID time, but every day I go to Disney and I entering in front of that building, that iconic hat building. I have this awe feeling that oh my god, it kind of worked out. <laughs> <laughs> it did work out, and you—I mean—you were telling me earlier that you'd grown up watching 
a taped copy of Jurassic Park in Iran in awe, uh, only to find out that a couple of decades later you're working on the Jurassic Park franchise in Los Angeles. How did that feel for you? Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome because taking into account that uh, having VHF and VHS video uh, at home back then was kind of illegal in Iran. Um, so we were watching this amazing movies, uh, and I never thought that someday I would I would work on kind this kind of movies. But I always dream about that. I was working at Google, and when I got a call from DreamWorks that they wanted to um, start another show for Jurassic Park and they want me to join them. That was like, oh my God, this is dream come true. This is awesome. Dude, dude, I mean, you're clearly very good at what you do because uh, I like the way this your resume so far since you landed in the in the U.S. is EA Games, Google, and Disney. <laughs> you know, mo- mo- most folks in the creative uh, class are, are are working at some startup trying to make things ha- happen for themselves. So uh, you're again, you're clearly you've done very well for yourself, and I'm sure that's based on your your talent. What would you say? Um, I mean, normally when it isn't COVID time, uh, what would you say a working day is like at Disney? It's pretty chill. Uh, it's uh, very well managed with the amazing management uh, team at Disney. What, what I really like about that, which uh, I, I wouldn't get it when I was back in Iran, they care about the feelings of the artists. So what do you feel today? How do you feel? In the beginning of most of the meetings, uh, my manager asked, how do you feel? How do you feel today? Is it good? Is it going well? If there is something crazy going on in the world, they always take care of the time that we have. They always ask, do you want to take a break? I know this is happening. This bad news is coming this week or next week or previous week. Or, I don't know. Wow. Do you feel okay? Do you want to, do you want to take a time, uh, take a break, take a vacation? Like so what? They, like, they are, like, like what kind of bad news? What, what would they say that about? Uh, when when there was uh, that accident with the airplane, yeah, it flight seven five two, yeah, yeah, um, they shoot down the airplane in Iran, and I was I was telling my manager that that happened. This is so crazy. I I'm dealing with all this news and I, having lots of things in my mind, and I still have to be creative that day. And they were they were so understanding. Like if you want to take a time, it's okay. But it, it, we always give back, you know when. And something like that happens. That's really actually very heartening to hear because I, I guess I'm sort of cynical a big about big corporations, but I would, I would worry that you just become a number there, or you don't, you don't really um, stand out, and and you're kind of just told what to do. Does it feel like creative work, despite the fact that you're in this big place, or or at Disney, do they kind of say draw this, work like this, so you become the equivalent of a, a draftsman, as they used to call it? The, the good thing, I think they do it at Disney. But when I talk about Disney Animation Studios, which is one part of Disney, Disney is like being, uh, I think, managed like a biz- different businesses. Like, yes, uh, the Mar- Marvel and Star Wars and uh, like ILM and uh, Pixar and uh, ESPN and ABC. It's all part of Disney, right. but they are managed like separately. And like what's going on in our building, the Disney Animation Studios, which is that main part that we're making feature films. So it's uh, we kind of separated, and uh, the CEO and the um, creative executives uh, they they well know every single person by name. 
I think they are going doing a great job on that. Do, they, do you go in and do you get to draw every day? What is your what what is the first thing you do when you get to work at, at Disney Animation? I mean, are you sitting in front of a, a computer screen or a blank canvas and you get to just start drawing? I, I'm very curious how this works. Yeah, uh, when, when I was um, doing more of a visual development and uh, like developing the stories and uh, concept for uh, directors and writers, it's most of the day is like you get to the studio, you pour yourself a coffee or get a fruit or something. And then you start the day by going through the script, having I put the notes for myself. Okay, this is important for the part of this story. And I start drawing. But now I'm doing a production design, which is leading a huge team. Um, yes. I, I talk most of the time. So I go to meetings like, six hours a day like 10 meetings something like that yeah i couldn't believe when i saw that you're a production designer i mean that's about about as significant a role as you can have on a film other than i guess director right yeah basically every um decision for the visual of the movie should be uh overseen by production designer in like a typical like hollywood movie not that I'm saying that it's like a dictatorship and they dictate and they do that, but it's like an organic way and uh, like everybody respects each other uh, part. And if it's like a music or something, I don't enter that. I, I gave my uh, note or my idea, but because one thing about that, because when I see myself, I'm, I'm so young, I'm from Iran, I'm coming to this country, learning everything because le it's learning is every day, every second. And these people, this is their, they're, they're doing it for like 100 years. There. <laughs> so they know everything. So How do you feel about being a boss? Uh, I don't feel, <laughs> it's, sometimes it's uncomfortable because, because most of it is for English barriers. Uh -huh. Like I want to convey a meaning, what I mean, and uh, probably uh, like native English speaker would, tell it in like five seconds, I would tell it in three minutes. <laughs> and I always feel, oh, I'm taking these people's time. Right. I mean, on. you seem so sweet to be running this. Uh, you know, this is a big, big, big business, right? Uh, do you uh, do you feel pressure? Do they? Uh, is there sort of a this subtext to everything that, that you know? Hey, this is a big budget film. We need to. Ralph breaks the internet and made a billion dollars. We need to do that again. I mean, do, do those kind of conversations happen? It does happen, and it has. They they, they try to not to put the like a direct blame on if the movie doesn't do, do, does good or doesn't do good it, they try to keep it subtle and it doesn't point to us but uh i it i do really have this feeling that oh my god this is this is a, basically it's a business that you have a like a 200 million dollar product and he, i'm one of the person i have to make sure it's going good yeah can you tell, like, in your bones, in your guts, the way a musician would know a hit song? Can you tell, like, did you know that Moana was going to be a hit movie? Uh, I I knew it's going to be uh, a big movie, but it was it was kind of exceed the expectation that I had, and um, especially for for the streaming, like for for many many months, it was like number one. As 
uh, streaming at Netflix as well after the movie was out and did awesome. And it came to uh, D plus and it was like number one is streaming on Disney plus for like many, many months of, again. Wow. So it wow. was, it was a huge hit. You must get a kick out of that knowing that people around the world are watching your your art <laughs> it's really it's yeah. very cool i uh, marathon i understand there's a great deal of research involved when you are animating characters i think about moana actually uh, or places that represent different cultures and peoples uh, especially in this day and age can you speak to that yeah exactly so i was i was reading like lots of articles and in the university of uh new zealand and australia about maori culture do we do that that culture or we keep it about the mostly samoa or which part of these islands are we are telling the story and we are taking the reference from which island more and um every single bits of it were was going through uh, lots of consultants from the the cultural uh, consultant that we have and the universities and the people that speakers that coming to Disney and speak for the history of that right. and I, I was I remember for for like little example of that there in the movie there is a, a shot that Maui gives some seeds and treats to the rooster hey hey and I, I was researching that too. This is the movie Moana, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was researching even about the seeds and the plants that maybe in their area like 2,000 years ago to that accuracy. To Yeah. I mean, I guess we get it, right? The, the sensitivity uh, as Iranians when we watch something like The Prince of Persia and we kind of go, no, that's – Arabia or, or, or something, you know, uh, that we, we understand that we wouldn't want, um, you know, if you're, if, especially with big films like this, if you're going to represent a culture or a people's or a, a place in the world, uh, you have to get the structures, right. You have to get the, the, the way the streets look right. You have to get everything right. Besides the characters. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah. Everything. If from the, if there is a tattoo on the body or if there is a plant in the, in that region, we try to get it as, accurate as possible let's come back to what you're working on right now and and talk a bit about your story because um i, I mentioned challenges you faced when you were a kid growing up in ahvaz and i actually think your story is a very beautiful one you you were born during the iran iraq war in a difficult time for all iranians post-revolution but also um it soon became clear as a child uh, that you had some difficulties with reading and writing right yeah um i i didn't know that this difficulty would have a name until like a couple of years ago that they call it like dyslexia so i was having a difficult time with um, spelling the words and even when i write the words i i was like sometimes it's like the words are running f away from my paper you know and but I was so ashamed of that and like, I, I can't keep up. So I was at some point I was thinking, okay, if I can draw as faster than I'm writing, yeah. if somebody asking me something, I can draw it for them. And, and that will be even more funny. And it's, uh, I can make some more friends as well. I, I <laughs> so, love that. I love that. I love that you figured out your, 
your your way of your communication tool and that that was through drawing just to ask you about it so i mean I, i'm guessing in at that point in the 80s and early 90s in in Afos, in iran dyslexia was not widely discussed or diagnosed they just thought you were not good at reading or writing yeah even even the, when i do, i was doing assignments and uh which is mash <laughs> i was doing that um most of the time i was asking my mom my sister my brother can you write this for me like they were they were helping a lot and yeah and i, I wanted to talk about it like openly because it's it's i don't know if how they call it it's it's something that happens to lots of kids yeah and uh and it, it's not being lazy it's it has a name it's dyslexia they like that so uh, but most of the time I, I was getting lucky because my family was always understanding and supporting me very 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 well but if there is a kid that doesn't have that support they they easily call him oh he's lazy he, he, he doesn't understand or, yeah or stupid, like worse that. than lazy. Yeah, yeah. stupid. Yeah. He's yeah, he's stupid. He he can't he can't read, so let him work, and they take him out of his schools most of the time. Do we know what the Persian word is for dyslexia? Is there one? I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's dyslexia. Think, yeah, yeah, I think it's dyslexia. No, hmm. in a Persian accent, dyslexia. Dyslexia, dyslexia. So do you do do you remember when you first? realized that you had this knack this facility for drawing and what what was it that you were drawing when i was like in like third grade around the age of like nine ten i was drawing and i was entering those contests between the schools between the region in the city and i was getting some um attention on that uh what would you draw I was drawing like cartoon characters. I was drawing plants. I was drawing uh, uh, cities and trees and tanks uh, was one of them. Tanks. Because at was you you could see the tanks like half burned out tanks uh, left over from the war. Uh-huh. Little by little, they take them out of the city and the city urban area. But I was drawing those too. Uh, tell me about uh, this intersects your drawing your facility for drawing your capability and talent intersects with your interests in movies as a kid and and tell me about your uncle who would bring you these um these movies to watch from america yeah uh that's uh, that was one of the best times of my life uh, so i was the environment was pretty hostile but when you're in it when i was in it i wouldn't understand it probably be most of it because my age so the most the hassle and difficulties probably was on my parents um at that time you mean hostile but, because uh, of the the economic situation or the war or what, what what do you mean hostile yeah economic situation the war and they lost the house or they lost the I don't know the the job or it doesn't pay well uh-huh, or the electricity uh-huh. is not always going right. and something now was it gets so hot sometimes and uh, if you don't have the AC run, running it's difficult time and right. with like kids it's even more difficult and I, for example we couldn't buy chickens as regular so we have to buy live chicken bring it to the house kill it and eat it <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I had a pet rooster that when I was coming back from like a uh, kindergarten, 
they kind of sacrifice oh, it no, you're in front of me and we eat them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, these are the fringe uh, issues that come with not having electricity. I haven't thought about this. So did, did you have a name for the pet rooster? I don't. I, you don't remember? He, he was, uh, the, the color was black and white. I, and you got home and, and little uh, little uh, Ahmad the rooster was, uh, was, was on the table, on a plate? Yeah. But the, the 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 food was so delicious, but I was crying. <laughs> so in the midst of all this, your your uncle uh, is bringing VHS tapes, uh, and you're watching ho- Hollywood movies or animated movies, or what are you what are you looking at? Yeah, m- mostly like Hollywood movies, like Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, and uh, sometimes like Lion King and some animated movies as well. But um, but that was pretty cool because I was, uh, and if it's uh, like war movies or something, I was understanding that, oh, these situations are pretty hostile that is this character in. And my situation is pretty hostile too. Um, the environment, this is crazy. And um, the area that I see around myself, maybe someday I can d- draw those mm. and work on the movie. I want you to make a film at some point about the little rooster, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> your companion as a kid who, I mean, you know, he deserves some uh, respect, uh, maybe on film at some point in your life. <laughs> you grew up in a family of engineers, as I understand it. Were your were your parents, I mean, even if they're noticing that your energy and your excitement and your talents when it comes to drawing, were your parents okay with you wanting to go into a creative field? Yeah, um, I I was so lucky on that, and my my parents were always super supportive, and they will under they were understanding art and media, and uh, how important that is to have the um, imagination get going. They still liked me to be a, like an engineer or something, probably. But when I was still decided to, now until like a couple of years ago, that I was <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it depends on how much money I make. Uh-huh. <laughs> So we have uh, Dabiristan and Honaristan. Uh-huh. Then they have to take a major like it's mathematics or physics or uh, like science, something like that, and art. So and every Iranian family, they just don't let the kid to pursue art or crafts in sure. uh, Honaristan because it's it's kind of bad because lazy students go to that. Well, it's partly because it doesn't translate into well-paid jobs in Iran uh, too often, and so we'll get we'll get to that. But um, there, there's something I wanted to just uh, meditate on, which was the fact that I think you told me at some point that because you grew up in a family of engineers, you you understand engineering, and that you've used some of your engineering knowledge in your animation work, like say with the film Ralph Breaks the Internet. How, how does engineering come in handy for an animator? Yeah, uh, so my uncle who, who was bringing the movies was uh, he was also an electronic engineer, and he was uh, when he was fixing the radio, the TVs, and all this stuff that he was doing back then. And uh, he was all I, I was always next to him and uh, watching him do the job at all the electronics part attaching to each other or something mechanical attaching to them. Um, so I was always seeing that I knew what what is that part, what is that, or and how they work. And uh, in the Ralph Breaks the Internet, there was this part that we, we have to show inside of a computer, like how it's working, mm-hmm. how this electronic stuff attaching to each other or how they are working. 
and I was I was remembering all of that and what they call what they call this part and how it's attached. Yeah. So I basically drawing from my imagination when I was a kid. Oh, that's amazing for the world to see. I love that. Um, and then when you're 14, your dad sends an oil painting you've done to America to enter some sort of contest, which you win. What What is that story? Yeah, I, I think it was like he was hearing this uh, contest for art in uh, like VOA and um in the radio and there was a person was doing like beauties of iran's book and he was she was always uh putting a like a show in the museum in san francisco for that and my father sent the oil painting to the u.s by mail and then at at some point they send us like a letter that you have been rewarded with this <laughs> i think it was like uh $20 as well and uh, like medallion like <laughs> and uh, a couple of other gifts and th that was kind of an inspiration and a moment that yeah I can do it in San Francisco right. I, I, can, I can I can do the job over there too as the story goes despite doing a, a graphics degree in Tehran by your um, early 20s you want to be an animator and you are realizing that it's really hard to make a living in Iran as an animator and you've said it, it just wasn't going to work because in animation studios in Iran, the attitude was, I'm paraphrasing you, that artists pretty much don't need to get paid. Can you talk about this challenge in Iran? Basically, the respect for the art is not there. It's not in the real place. And most of the time, the money comes from the government and they don't pay sometimes for like six months. I, you don't know where is the if 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 even the money is coming if or if it's not coming, and like or or three months is late or something like that. And when when I was talking about that, like, okay, where am I getting paid? And there is always this um, defense line that if somebody is asking for money, and he's like, oh, why are you asking? You're artist. You you do it because you love it. So right. no, I have, we have a life too. We have to get paid right, too. Right. Do you think doing. that's still the case in Iran? I mean, do you hear from animators who are trying to work in Iran? Is it is that still the case? I uh, yeah, it's it's still the case, and uh, m many of my friends have uh, difficulties to have a life like normal life going. The the, the good thing about the the culture is all the families, whoever have a family around them. Uh, kind of support them with the um, housing with everything but it's very very difficult to be artist and and make a life is this why you wanted to leave iran so badly i mean uh, uh, if i have this story correct you were so interested in leaving iran that you actually learned french in the hopes that you would be able to relocate to france and when that didn't work out you learned italian in the hopes of moving to italy uh, I, I mean you really wanted to make this work uh, and to pursue your passion. Did it ever cross your mind that you might end up just staying in Iran and changing your profession? And no, I, I was always wanted to go out and I was thinking that, and I was hearing and researching about that, how they are, uh, how they are treating artists in Italy or France or in America or Canada. 
or um, Australia. So I was, um, I knew there is a better life out there for artists and for uh, creatives. Uh, so I wanted to join them. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking that th th this city is kind of small for me. I have to go in a bigger place uh, because of all the um, difficulties that they make for the artists. So I was going like I went to like 16 or 18 embassy in back in Tehran that every time I was going through them, uh, filling the application, waiting in the lines. And yeah, I, I, I learned uh, French for two years. And I learned uh, Italian for uh, one year in Italian embassy north of Tehran. That didn't work out too. And every time it, there was something political would happen that they closing another embassy or there is some people going up from the <laughs> this embassy or that embassy wall or right. So it didn't work out. Uh, but um, at some point, um, my brother, older brother won the uh, green card lottery in the US and he moved to US. So and that time US become an option. And Meredith, how did it feel when you finally moved to the United States? Was it, I guess, was it everything you had hoped it to be? I would be honest, it was a little bit less than that. I was hoping because uh, my vision was coming from these TV shows right, and uh, right. movies and this is awesome. This is going amazing. And when they cast them, these actors, they're all well-known, rich, beautiful, amazing people and everything is going well. But uh, when I came to US, no, you have to work so hard. You have to manage your life you and um the culture shock is huge because we have like a, a family culture in iran when you talk about family it's your mom it's your dad it's your yes, uncle yes. and they all help each other to like lift up a life but here i was alone so you have to make a life from being less than zero because zero is a person that at least can speak english as well as them right so, so wait a minute, uh, all that time you were learning French and Italian, you didn't learn English before you came I to? I was learning English in the last <laughs> year that was coming here. <laughs> Your English is very good, by the way. Uh, what, so, I mean, as you sit on top of the mountain at, at Disney, still in your uh, mid-30s, what advice would you give to young creatives or animators even in Iran about what you learned on this journey? The main one would be kind of cliche that I tell everyone, as much as your art is important, knowing English and international language is important because you have to communicate. There was lots of time that I was trying to say something that like, I think the story problem is this and that, but somebody in the meeting a day after would they say, say exactly the same what I was trying to say yesterday, hmm. but I, I understand, oh, if, if my English was as good as him, I could have higher, you know, a higher position or something like that, or I could I could communicate more. So that is so important. And the other thing I think is don't lose their hope, because uh, in the, the countries like maybe I would say like third world countries, the main thing that you lose is the hope. The hope that you can actually change something and change your life. Mm. They all have the pen and paper, then they start, they can start their journey, but they don't have a hope. And if they don't have a supportive family, they it would be so devastating for them, yeah. for their art and knowledge. 
that they have. You know, given that Hollywood films and stories are finally, you might say, becoming more diverse, mm-hmm. is there some advantage at all to, to being an animator, an art director, or even a, a production designer of Middle Eastern background now? Um, I think... I don't know. No. Uh, it's interesting uh, <laughs> still, question. It's st- there's still yes, no advantage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, if they have the enough knowledge and enough uh, experience, yes, they will be seen. But um, it wouldn't be much favoritism that they would be favored over someone else. Right, but if right, they equal, right. maybe... That's a good time. That's a good time to see. Be. I would think that. I mean, I would hope that a company like Disney, uh, even the animation studio, or even the bigger company, would would value the perspective that you can bring. I mean, that, that that's this, you know, in, in an increasingly globalized world, you're an extremely valuable resource in terms of the the perspective and the vision you can bring. That's Eastern or different, uh, and yet at the same time, I'm thinking as an animator, I'm guessing. Uh, I think about animated films and a lot of it is references and a lot of them are pop culture references. And so you're probably being, you need to be able to reference Western pop culture references from the eighties or something that you may not know about. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's a difficult part because for, for example, I was drawing the character when I was back in the university in San Francisco and everybody was saying it looked like Loki. But I knew what is Loki being like Loki in a job, like being like <laughs> not visible. But I didn't know the Loki is a is a character in Marvel Universe. Right, right. But everybody else knew that. It's like how can I know that? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> all these characters. Now I know many of them. But where there is a reference to like eighties TV show or something like that. Right. Yeah, it, it's so difficult to keep up. It's like for us, like somebody's talking about Rostam and Sohrab, and everybody knows, but right, right. the foreigner will never know what's that feeling. Right. <laughs> what is the project you've been most excited about so far that you've worked out at, at Disney? I think it would be, now it would be the last one, Raya and the Last Dragon. Ah. Yeah. And why is that? It shows like a different culture in uh it's and it's inspired by Southeast Asia, that um, that how these cultures and uh, the um, societies can come together and work and make a better place and better life for themselves, and uh, it's kind of the same in all over the world. And th- there was this quote from I don't remember who said that, but the politician br- bring us the borders, but there is no border. Uh, as uh, I-, I was listening to. Virus Nadri, he's uh, NASA, yes. was saying that when you um, go up in the space and look at the Earth, there is no border, and there everybody is the same. It's yes. Earth and us up in the space, and that that was so amazing. And I think this then recent movies going to that direction. There is no difference between people. It's just, yeah, I was I was thinking about that in preparation for this. I was I was thinking about how. It's such a beautiful thing what you can do because animation really can be universal. You know, it doesn't, I mean, I guess you, you know, you could make white people stories or something, even in animation, but, but you can make it really universal, especially when it comes to um, animals or characters that are 
outer-worldly characters. It, 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 it really is accessible to kids everywhere, people everywhere in the world, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think uh, it's all when, when we talk about live action and animation, when we talk about like, yeah, I, I work with this director and that director and uh, it's it, all, all most of the feedback I get like, this is amazing. This is awesome. But when you talk about animation, like I work on one and the the the, the voice would get high pitch. Oh, that's so cool. It's like <laughs> it's like it's for a kid. But the impact for the kid would be far more higher than the for adults because yeah. the adults their their life are already shaped. They they have a job. They have the life going. But the kid, the, you need him to have for, like different vast imagination. So when you make animation and you can make it positive feeling for that kid and tell him you can be who you want to be. Far from what's your skin, what's your color of the eye, or whatever. Um, when he believes that, you, you you give a more impactful message. So I love about the animation. It's really nice talking to you, my friend. I, I've 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 enjoyed this, and I'm I'm proud of uh, all that you've accomplished so far. I I can't wait to see um, what else you're gonna do. Uh, before I let you go, there was um, when we were having a conversation before this interview, I had said. Uh, you know, tell me what your dream is because you've 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 already ascended so high in sort of the animation world with, with Disney and DreamWorks and and um, and I was expecting you to respond with some big gig at Disney that you would want to do or some film or something. And you told me your dream is to build some kind of school or academy for uh, aspiring designers and animators from the Middle East. Um, wh- where would you locate such a school? I was I was dreaming of uh, making a university in the uh, so somewhere in Middle East, so uh, the artist and the talented student can join and learn. Because the the, the first thing gonna vanish from uh, like a hostile society is the art. They know they don't understand them. They don't um, care about the artist, especially the student when they are young. So I was I don't know somewhere in Dubai or Turkey or. Somewhere in Middle East that has a, le- a little bit better economy and attached to the world, and uh, like have these kids and give the, these kids grant and a little bit of lift so they can come to the university and learn what they love to learn. I think that that would save the society. That artistic ideas would save the society more than war and uh, all these stuff that's going on in the world. I Especially, think you you can do that. I think. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I'm hopeful. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I thank you, and I, I hope we can uh, catch up more in the future. And we're looking forward to whatever the secret film is that you can't talk about for 2022. But uh, but I, I'm sure we'll spot it when we see the next big animation film out of Disney, and we'll know that uh, our, our our main man has been behind it. Thanks for this, brother. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for so much for having me. Bye bye. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Mehrdad Isfandi, an Iranian-American illustrator, art director, uh, and production designer who works at Walt Disney Animation Studios in California. We reached Mehrdad in Los Angeles today.
Microphone's back on for Groovy Shia, Captain Reza, and the fabulous Keon. Uh, well, uh, the, what a sweet guy. Yeah, I, I, right. <laughs> how c- I couldn't like a person more. He's lovely. Yeah. I really appreciated that story. Yeah, I love him. And actually, while you were interviewing Kim, I looked for the Persian term for uh, dyslexia. Dyslexia, yeah. Yeah. It's Khanesh Parishi. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and right. it's very beautiful. Khanesh uh, Parishi is a very poetic uh, word. Khanesh yeah. Parishi. Yeah. Like Tokhatesh Roman Khanesh Parishi. Oh. Yeah. It's very beautiful. That, uh, that, that he found his outlet through drawing, I think, is, uh, yeah. is, is a beautiful, beautiful oh. story. Oh, uh, yeah. And good for him, the way he's. He's rocking it. Uh, Captain Reza, you're a man in film. Yeah. How did you feel about uh, Mr. Esfandi? Hopeful and great that there is hope that where there is a will, there is a way, even if you're from a land far, far away. Truly, from Ahwaz to Disney. Like, it, it, it's just so inspiring. I love the guy. Yeah. I so, so, I'm, I'm, I'm so inspired. Nice. Yeah. And Keon? Not bad for a kid from Ahwaz. My God, I'm just imagining there's probably a kid somewhere out there. Not bad for a kid from anywhere. From let's, anywhere. Let's be clear but that still, we're not just picking on Ahwaz. But Ahwaz still, Ahwaz. like, you know, I'm yeah. imagining there's, say, a little kid in Ahwaz right now listening to this interview thinking, mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. there's also a chance for me to reach Disney and yeah. big companies like yeah. that. And it's really There's probably inspiring. no kids in Ahwaz listening to this right <laughs> now. But, but, there yeah, will but be. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> his cousin but, or something. <laughs> no, actually, that's it's actually very likely, yeah. uh, you know, that yeah. there are people listening, and I appreciate what you're saying. All right, it is Thursday. I don't want to waste any more time because we got to get to the important stuff here. It's Thursday. You know what this means. She's a dear friend, a diaspora blend, a gym workout cat, and a bicultural brat, but lovable, smart, and funny, and on a journey to discover what we actually discovered. Here we go, Batshaw. It's all Persian to us with Kian Nademi. Well, if you could recover from what you just heard, <laughs> Raza doing. Yeah. What do you have for us this week, Kian? All right. So Persia was once known as the center of the world, and quite literally, it is sort of located at the center of the world. <laughs> and being the vast empire as it once was, a lot of ideas and inventions came out of this. We know this already. Yes. But in some cases, ideas even pass through it. One of these inventions is the world's most popular board game, as I mentioned, mm. chess. Not a board game, but yeah. Well, it is a board game, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so the earliest predecessor of chess first originated in India around the 6th century AD. Mm-hmm. It was a four-player war game known as Shaturanga. When this game later arrived in Persia, it eventually turned into a two-player game of Shatranj, oh. or chess as we know it today. So according to the Shah Nameh, the Book of Kings, the story goes that in order to avoid paying tribute to the Sasanian king Khosrow I, the Raja, or king of India, sent his emissary to Persia to deliver a board game as a riddle and a challenge to the Persian king, along with a letter that read, O great king, fetch your wise men and let them solve the mysteries of this game. If they succeed, my master, the king of Hind, will pay tribute as an overlord. But if they fail, it will be proof that the Persians are of lower intellect, and we shall demand tribute from Persia. Mm. Wow. So a day passed by until King Khosrow's clever grand vizier, Bozorg Mehr, successfully solved the riddle and figured out how to play the game. 
And in response, interestingly enough, the wise vizier created a game of his own called Backgammon and sent uh-huh. it to the Indian court with the very same message. Wow. Yeah. Oh, in the end, the Indian king couldn't resolve the riddle and was forced to pay tribute. So that's how mm. the story goes. Uh-huh. And so uh, wait, you, you've, Backgammon is something, like, we keep that for another episode. Well, we'll keep that for another <laughs> episode. But yeah, that, that's basically how the story goes that he's like in, in, in response, he sent that's another great. game of his own. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, this vizier, Buzurg Mer, also famously published the Matikone Shatrang, or the Book of Chess. And so this book became the manuscript of the game, which helped spread it throughout Persian courts. So uh, this is how it became an official part of the Persian education in nobility as a test of intellect and strategy. And that's essentially how it helped spread throughout Persia. So in fact, the oldest chess pieces were found in Persian lands, now modern day Uzbekistan, which date back to 760 AD. So Persians developed the rules further and, and established today's chess, or shatrang, which translates to four divisions of military, uh, one being infantry, cavalry, elephantry, yes, Persians used elephants in war, pretty badass, I know, and chariotry. So this later evolved into the modern pawn, knight, bishop, and rook. And interestingly enough, rook, not to be av- confused with rook, our show, mm-hmm. comes from the Persian word for rukh, meaning chariot. Mm. And so beyond that, too, the Persians also added the saying. It's rook. 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 rook You're talking about English. the show or the. No, yes. in English, we're rook. It's right. rook. Yes, rook. That's what I said. Well, it's different. Is rook. that not what I said? No, rook. You rook. said rook. It's rook. 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 Yeah. yeah. Rook. Like put, rook. Okay, well, anyway, it came from the Persian <laughs> word for rook. So. Did you say shatrang? <laughs> shatrang. Wait, I'll get Is to that. Is it not shatrang? I'll get to oh, that, yeah. Okay. So the Persians also added the saying of shah, or check, when the king is vulnerable, and shah mat, meaning the king is helpless, or checkmate. Oh. And, and also, interestingly enough, the opposing black and white chess pieces are said to be of Zoroastrian symbolism for light against darkness, oh. or good against evil. This sounds pretty legit. Like yeah, it, it, it is was really legit. invented by I'm there. telling you, yeah. yeah. Well, as history would have it, the Arabs, of course, conquered Persia in 633 AD. They adopted most of the Persian inventions, one of which was shatrang. And due to the lack of ch and ng sounds in Arabic, this evolved to shatrang. Oh, yes, that's, that's how it true. evolved. And with the spread- I only call it shatrang. <laughs> that's right. That's, my, that's, that's what I call baby. it. Shatrang I don't know what these other, these, yeah. these newcomers <laughs> who say shatrang. Unacceptable. Yeah, and with the spread of Islam, as we know, uh, into Spain, shatrang also spread throughout Europe, and eventually the world came to know it as chess. Wow. Well, for better or for worse, Persia was once the center of cultural exchange. It was, after all, once a vast empire sitting between the east and the west. And it's from this very center where the game of chess was shared with the world. And so, in the end, it's all Persian to us. Oh. Yeah. Now, here's something I don't understand, because uh, I, I'm a chess player. I love chess. Mm-hmm. And I played it since uh, I was a, a young boy. Well, since I was a kid, for sure. And I uh, regularly enjoy losing to my iPad uh, <laughs> on chess. Uh, but, uh, you know, so being a chess fan, I was kind of aware of, it was sort of a bigger deal when I was a kid and, and into the 80s and 90s that uh, uh, the great chess players in the world, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Kasparov, these people whose names we all knew. Mm-hmm. 
um, I, I don't remember there. Maybe it's just me, but I don't remember there being Iranians amongst those. There's a those. few, actually. The There's icons a, of chess. The icons are all Russian. Or yeah, they're no, Russian. There was one. Who, there was one. I forget his name. He was in the movie In Search of Bobby Fischer. They yes. referenced his name. I don't. I can't remember. But there's also a 17 year old kid who well, is like who's the kid a world now. now. There's a kid now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm just thinking about the, at the height of the mm. where where were the Iranians? I been don't on know. This? I mean, I'm sure I'm wrong. I mean, you know, I'm I sure there's people that that you should write in. You they more tell, tell me who on, they are. They're more focused on backgammon, I guess. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Winning at Tahdeh. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, what are you doing, Shai? Are you looking I'm it up? I'm looking for the yeah. Ustad yeah. Shatranj. Ehsan Maqami? No, he was in the movie uh, Bobby Fischer. If you look up... Um, uh, for. Searching for Bobby Fisher. In search of Bobby Fisher, yeah, so. in the like, I think it's the second scene where there's a guy playing chess in the park in New York, and then they referenced his name, like, oh, oh, so and so, master so and so. Anyway. Okay, I will find it and yeah. let you know. Yeah. All right, thank you, thank you, Shy. <laughs> I mean, I on that note we'll end the show <laughs> well, uh, but but you know what actually let's leave it to the audience so, you, you know you guys let us yeah. know if you think that I mean if there's some great uh, uh, the story of chess I mean this is one that we do know is uh, although I knew about the Indian the, the complication there is it Indian <laughs> or is it Iranian yeah. but, but it, 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 to spawn from Persia we know that um, and folks who, who know more about that let us know if you know about some chess icons who are Iranian let us know about that and if you know about the kid, or if you know, have a, I think we tried to get him on the show, yeah. but we couldn't find him. Ali Reza Firuzja, that's the kid. Yeah, I'm yeah. About. We, we got to mm. find a way to get him on the show because uh, there's, really a, there's cool. a young um, girl, too, mm. an Iranian. Yes. I guess, right. Yeah. yeah. I know the name. It was Grandmaster Shirazi. It was Kamran Shirazi. He mm. was uh, once a chess master. All right. Yeah. Well, that's great now that we know his name. <laughs> it was going to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Kianjun. Good job. Uh, thank you, Captain Reza. Thank you, Groovy Shia. This is full time for Rook for today. If you want to let us know about uh, your thoughts on Mehdad Isfandi, on chess, on anything else to do with our show, post on any of our platforms, or email us at info at rookmedia.com info at rookmedia.com and of course visit our website rookmedia.com to become a patron we invite you to subscribe on any of our platforms as well thanks to the amazing team who put this show together each week producer susan ponce of the artist thoughtful nagin the fabulous Keon savvy roham ahoy merdod master muhammad captain reza and groovy shaya thank you to all of you out there supporting us Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizun Bashir. <laughs> <laughs>